Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. What we, when they started raising and asking for the, for the, the input touch on Android Days, we were like, okay, um, my business partner, Eve, tweeted, okay, we are investigating this feature. It might take a while because we don't know what, if it's working. We'll keep you posted. Um, they were incredibly supportive on us. Uh, our Twitter profile went on fire. They kept tweeting about us, about the fact that we were investigating this issue. The Stadia technical team support saw that. Um, they helped us a little bit because we had a couple of technical issues there. And in January 2022, we released the input touch support on Stadia. At that time, we were part of the Stadia Pro. So we... Between December and January, in over in a month, we see an increase of 25% in gameplay session just because we follow what the community was asking and we released a basically new feature that took us a couple of weeks and started team support uh, to develop. So that was an incredible and outstanding number for us. Through Twitter, Steam Community App, Discord, we build our community before during launch and after it. Uh, even if the game has been com- constantly updated with new content feature and bug fix, we always kept communicating and kept the community engaged as much as, much as possible. We even created a small mini game on Wine only for the Discord server. This mini game doesn't convert in the community into paying users, but it keeps them active between releases and retain them into the server. So uh, one thing that I want to suggest to all of you is keep engaging and keep talking and communicating with your community. Uh, it's incredible what players can do can do for your game. Um, a little analysis on some data that I'm close to the end, but like <laughs> um, there is a couple of slides more with some data and then it's over. Um, After launch, we understood also other metrics that are important for post-release, especially the engagement numbers. Um, Those can drive possible future deals, like Game Pass, for example, or at least can show a different aspect of your product and company and your game. Um, Maybe you don't have huge numbers. I mean, we sold 60,000 copies over over 60,000 copies over a year and a half. It's not an incredible and huge number, but like the engagement and the average time played, the sessions, these show that, and that proved our point, the game deserved to be there. You can always use those numbers as a negotiation tool and actually 
being completely honest, these are the most important number because you want people to play, keep playing what you're doing, keep playing your game and keep the more they get into, the more they stay into your game, the more they will communicate it outside, the more they will spread their voices on your game. Other two things to notice, oops, sorry, um, is that Argentina is in the, is the country on, and you can see on the list of countries and copies. Um, Argentina is the country in which Steam prices adjustment has the lower uh, rates ever. So in Argentina, games are way cheaper and bots buy games through VPN system from that country. Another thing that you can notice in this list of sales is that Italy doesn't appear in top 10 countries. Even though the game is based in Italy, uh, talks about the Italian, has a lot of Italian cultural heritage inside and talks about an Italian region uh, and, and it's developed by an Italian company. Uh, Italian players don't consume indie games. And we already knew that, but let's say that those numbers made it much more clear to us. So, Coming to an end. Um, 100 Days Winemaking Simulator release has been an incredible experience for our company. We plan in advance some operation. We didn't plan some others. Um, in this process, uh, we understood that some of the best opportunity came, came step by step while the day passed through. Just a conclusion. Um, if Day one, day seven, day 30 sales are not as you expected. And as a developer, you can afford it. Try to keep following your release daily and check down those numbers to see what's, what affect them. Poor sales at day, at day one don't necessarily mean that you will not sell some decent copies in the end. Prepare yourself for quite a marathon. A good start is good, but make sure your leg will last for the whole journey. Thank you so much. If you have any question, I'm, I'm here. Well, hi there. <laughs> hi, then. <laughs> How are you? Awesome. Excellent. Okay, well, there is some questions. We've got some questions queued up. So Dan on YouTube, Dan Silvers, he asks, how do you recommend finding other developers for setting up Steam bundles? Check, I mean, there are many ways to do that, I would say. Um, First of all, look at Twitter. I found that, I mean, until Twitter lasts, because we don't know until it will last, Twitter, uh, the devs community sharing what they are developing and sharing what they are uh, creating on Twitter is one of the best way to get in touch with the, the dev community in general. So start from there. Um, uh, you can find similar games if you look at like hashtags or stuff that you are using to promote your own game. The other thing that you can have a look at it is um, maybe the suggested games at the, at the end of your Steam page, maybe there is something there that the algorithm recognizes similar to you or that players that, have pl that are playing your game are playing. So this can be a good good connection point to enlarge your, your audience. Mm -hmm. And the last one, I would say, if you participate to any um, team-related sale event on, on Steam, try to connect with those devs, like, and try to connect also with the organizer of the, of the event. Um, 
we we did the tabletop one um, with the, organized by the Oroc team in uh, in UK, and actually we connected with them. We had a lot of interaction with them. So uh, try to navigate your way into the devs community, and I think you will definitely find something there. So many devs are like, oh, that game is competition to my game because it's similar. But yeah. man, when you come together and join forces, like I like exactly. a certain type of game. I want to play all the games that are good in that genre, right? That, that's that's the other factor. Like there are there are genre that uh, I say they keep giving, like because players play one and then they, they they move to the next one, then they move to the next one. There are genres that are much more difficult. Like if you think about sports game or racing game, if you love that that one, you're gonna probably play that single one for a long time. Uh, but especially in our space, the strategy simulation management, it players are crazy. They play what everything that comes out on Steam. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Don't see the others as competition, never. <laughs> no, see them as friends because you can exactly. help each other. Exactly. Um, how do you approach Reddit posts since that community is so different? Uh, good question because it's there is also cultural stuff there. Like we are Italian and we are not that used to use Reddit, I would say. Um, we got into Reddit really slowly. Like it was a super slow process for us. Um, first of all, like start we started reading subreddit, subreddits, uh, not even interacting. Like reading for days, maybe just upping some posts or some answer, but really slowly. And then we started to get into the water uh, and posting some stuff. Um, the main thing that we usually did was like trying not to sell something. I mean, it's not like direct selling to someone, mm -hmm. but more like, um, okay, because you're saying that and you love that inside our game, we're doing this, this, and that, and that like trying to get a connection point somewhere, uh, maybe coming from other, um, threads and from other conversation that there are in, in reddit and yeah it's not easy it's definitely not easy it takes and also takes a lot of time like reddit is one of these time consuming work i would say and reddit can be so toxic and weird right like yeah trying to give advice to people or like somebody has a question about something and you try and help them um then there'll be a bunch of other people just like condemning you for the advice you gave yeah. even if it's solid advice yeah, yeah, Reddit is uh, pretty crazy. It's difficult. Yeah, it's yeah. not easy. Uh, which social media platforms performed best for raising awareness? For us, it was uh, Twitter mainly, completely. Like, uh, we, I mean, I can point out that Twitter had the best conversion. But I can because like there, I don't have any specific data in relations to to this data. What mm -hmm. I can say is that Twitter put us in front of most people that ended up talking about our, our game after. Like we got free press and free marketing through uh, Twitter. Uh, it's really hard to track down. Like now like Steam pages can add the UTM link at the end of your URL and you can track down a little bit, but like still you don't have massive uh, information like 
Mm -hmm. If you come from mobile on mobile platform, you have specific tools that can give you attribution. So you you can track down if this player had bought your game coming from that specific website. On Steam, it's still not possible completely. Like it's difficult, Uh, but definitely Twitter put us in front of press and people and also streamers. Uh, We were lucky. We got a couple of huge streamers. Playing the game at long, during our launch day, and we didn't plan that. We didn't. We, ha- we haven't been in, co- in communication with them. They just discovered the game through Twitter, I would say. And it's nice to someone to mention your game or whatever in a thread, and then you see a bunch of like replies to it, right? Oh, that feels so exactly. good when you're like scrolling down. You're like, yes, this is all that stuff. All yeah. right, Jay. Jay says that he. Jay's got a comment. I'm nearly giving up on posting in Reddit. I'm a ninety percent <laughs> lurker at this point. I understand that. Yeah, uh, I totally understand that. Uh... How did you stand <laughs> out in all the noise on Twitter, though? Uh, difficult, really difficult. I mean, now it's getting bigger and it's definitely noisier than before. Uh, again, it was the, the dev community that mm. helped us because we were part maybe of the same event and we were like resharing and liking each other, liking each other content. And that help put us in front of the right person and the right people. Um, Andrew Daisy's broken arms games work, but the whole marketing communication was a broader experience and a broader, I would say, work that we did with a lot of indie and dev friends. Also right. participating to events, but it was before COVID, so now it's a little bit different. Um, we participated to a lot of events, and uh, we were part of the game selected for the showcases. Uh, usually when you're there, you have bigger spaces to communicate. You have tweets and retweets from the organizers, so it's it's a little bit different probably than, than right now. But so, events are coming back, so... yeah. Events or events like these. Um, so Dan Silver says, I never use my main Reddit account. The whole no self-promotion rule means you have to set up your own sub and get everyone to come to it just to learn about your game. A bit redundant to Discord. It is definitely, you got to have the bandwidth for it, for sure. Yeah, that that's a whole, like we have our own um, subreddit for the game, but we have just a few hundred people, I would say. Um yeah, the, the self-promotion rule is difficult. Like some uh, subreddits allows for self-promotion after you have interacted for a certain amount of time or or uh, after you have invested some something of yourself into the subreddit. And that's mm-hmm. the tricky part. You have to put time and work on it. Right. And Discord is such a... Like people are in usually at least 100 discords. So then you got to also stand out in that discord, right? And it's, it's, it's a always lot. Disco- discoverability. It's always mm-hmm. on different levels, but it's always that. Uh, what did you do in terms of pre-production to justify the market for the game? Um, I mean, we, we analyzed a little bit uh, another game that was the only competitor on, um, on wine related stuff that is on Steam. It's called Terroir. Um, we analyze that, especially looking at reviews. We analyze a little bit of the board game market, like wine board, wine themed board games 
are pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Some of the higher uh, highest selling board game are related to wine, um, viticulture, for example, or others. And we dig a little bit into their data because on the board game side, you can find much more information because some of those companies are publics and they have reports on how much they're selling and stuff. So um, yeah, we, we did a little bit of this research into that space. Interesting. Uh, what is the best way to reach out to the companies to do the cross publisher bundles? I would say connect with some of them of their person on Twitter and just get in touch. And you have to appreciate their work in order to to make it like you have to come in a way that you, you, you're liking what they're doing and you want to join forces. Um, also, the, the companies that we did it with are, I would say, our size are just a little bit bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we didn't want to, we didn't ask that to really huge companies, so it's a little bit easier because, again, we are in the same spot and we, we need discoverability, we need marketing, we need free stuff combined together. So um, yeah, if you target the right one in terms of sizes and scope uh, and think about a way also to sell it to them, like there is, there should be a proposition for you. Like you're asking for the cross publisher bundle because you think that your game and your user base and their user base and their game fits with you in some ways. So yeah, just but just ask. Most of the developers are really friendly and really nice. Yeah, it seems like it's a little bit more difficult to reach out to like somebody that is huge and get them yeah. to help you out, you know, because they're much already more absolutely, right. absolutely. So Jay has a comment. I think he spelled drinking years ago. He worked on a wine drinking game years ago. Right? Nice. No, <laughs> <laughs> a wine making game. He's he's back there shaking his head. No. That's hilarious. Nice. Nice. Okay. Here's another question. Here's a question from LGGS on YouTube. Hi, Lisa. Great talk. Do you think China is a good market in general, or does it depend on the genre? Thank you so much for the appreciation. Um, China is complicated. Again, um, we have big numbers in China, but we know that all those numbers are coming through VPN. So it's not like the game doesn't hasn't gone through the censorship stuff in China. So we are not actually officially there. Um, China is a huge market, definitely. Like uh, I would say that the whole Asian market in general is pretty, it's pretty huge for us. Like even Korea and Japan, are they have incredible numbers. The other thing that we didn't think about is that the game is localized in two different Chinese, traditional and simplified Chinese. And there are so many Chinese speaking people overseas also. So the fact that the game supports their, their native languages while they are overseas, Germany, US or whatever, it's a huge plus for them. Mm-hmm. It's a way for them to feel back home somehow. Like we discovered that a lot of, in, we discovered that through Discord, we have, um, 
people come that are originally from Asia in general, like in different places, and their native language is different. It's not English, uh, that they live in the US or, or in other countries, and they are playing the game in their native languages because it feels like being back home. Oh, that's neat. That's cool. Yeah. That's so super nice. dr drop your questions in here. We do have some more queued up, but if you have any questions, we would love for her to answer them. Uh, how did you make the game stand out from all the other games in the Steam sale? Uh, difficult, again. Um, the major sales, like the, the seasonal one, uh, it's quite impossible to stand out, being completely honest. You just convert uh, from your wish list, mainly. Um, mm. The smaller one, the smaller events are the one in which you can uh, show off a little bit, especially like for example the tabletop fest has been really really good for us uh the event organizer also invited us into some panels so we did a little stream event um we did stream the game into our page during the event so uh, obviously it's difficult like when you have hundreds and hundreds of game in sales at the same time it's absolutely difficult to um but if you happen to attend the other events, the smaller one, remember that maybe you're not selling huge numbers, but there will be new people knowing your game that maybe are not buying it now, but maybe they will buy it in the next good time that is coming. So maybe in other three months they will buy it because you will be in discount again, so on sale again. So, yeah. And that's just good exposure. Right. Yeah, it's always like it's the thing that I was saying. Like, you have to keep pushing your game in front of people because, like, the the, the Steam algorithm does it, it is what it is. Like, it does it at, at a certain level. You need to force it and to push it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Did you do anything special, like on your end during the Steam sale? Was there like some social media pushes, marketing pushes? A, a little bit of on social media. Um, definitely always on Twitter uh, or like some subreddits. Oh, sorry. Um, some subreddits, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. But nothing, I would say, no, mar no paid marketing or stuff like that. No, not at all. Hmm. It was all by hand and. It's all Italian organic, 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 organic marketing, organic <laughs> yeah. marketing, right? Organically digital. Yeah. 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 So no Lex on YouTube says, do you see good sales during black Friday? It's the biggest sale for some games. Mm, not much. I would say also like that's another like opinion. So I don't have any facts and numbers to prove it. I think we perform better um in in the first two quarters of the year much more than in the last part of the year mainly because like between q3 and q4 usually the big triple a's comes out and the big triple a's maybe they do the first their first discount there so that's another like it's again an impression uh, we, we don't have any data to point it out but um yeah, we performed much better in the first, in Q1 and Q2. Okay. So Black Friday was kind of like, eh. No, I mean, yeah, we sold some copies, but nothing that standed out in any way. Nothing extraordinary. To Did you out. do a big sale for um, Black Friday? 
no, I think we because we we were waiting to do a bigger one um, starting tomorrow, later tomorrow. Yeah, mm. <laughs> because the, we will be part of the uh, turn based uh, sale on Steam. So we, yeah, that's another thing that we another decision that we make. Like during the bigger sales, we usually don't we keep the discount at the same price that it was the previous one then we when we participate in the smaller events the one that give us more much more visibility then that we in that case we increase the the discount Mm -hmm. so that we can have much volume because we have we are in front of more people yeah okay let's see which question do i want to ask here I think I know who wrote this one. Uh, are there any good Discord servers you would recommend for networking with other devs besides the IGB one? <laughs> okay, I was saying, I was like always suggesting the IGB one, definitely. Um, huh, let, let, give me a second. I'll check on my, on my Discord what I have because I have no idea. Like, and because I don't remember the names of the, um, of the servers, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking, like, for us, for example, uh, in Italy, the National um, Game Dev Association has one, and that's really useful. Like, when we we usually network a lot there. The IGDA one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably those are much more, I would say, um, technical, like, much more dev and engineering oriented probably uh, much more than business but definitely there is always people that you can share some stuff with um i'm personally part of some discord server for some events that we did like the indie megaboot uh, alumni or the um the bit summit those are events um that we participated in and then we are part of the discord server and we we network there and we network with people that or we have met in person or those people were like we had we we were in a panel together we we were doing stuff together so we already had a start a a point in which we start a conversation Mm -hmm. so yeah right that's that's what's awesome about events, right? You get to meet people, even online events, right? You get to meet yeah, people, absolutely. hang out, absolutely. talk a little bit, and yeah. I mean, it's awesome to meet face to face, but it's also awesome to, uh, you know, just have a conversation but and being hang completely out. honest. We our we created we increase a lot of our community, our dev friends community during the COVID season because, like, when events are in presence, you can travel to just. As many as them you can afford. Like for us, it's always like a couple of them, maybe three in a year, not more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can be in anywhere. Uh, but when you are online, it's much more different, and you can do, you can connect with so many other people. You can only talk to so many people at a conference, right? That, that's online, yes. you can talk yeah. to fifty people a day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if you're a shy person, maybe you know what you're like. If I am at conference, I'm not one of the person that networks a lot in presence. I would say my business partner does that much better than me. Mm-hmm. So 
if I am an event, a digital one, and I have to open up a chat, I will do it because I'm much more comfortable opening up, opening up a chat and just discuss some stuff or jumping into a conversation, maybe on, on a Discord server, much mm-hmm. more than in real pers- real life. And like jumping. an introvert in yeah. real life, but an extrovert online, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know, people online, it, in a way, they're more genuine, you know, because people will just say what they think online and they also get right to the point. When yep. you're and you're talking with someone in person, there's like a conversation. How are you doing? What's going on? And you have this little talk first and then maybe yep. get to the point when you're online. It's you might get a message and it's just like, this is what I want or this is what we, you know. Exactly. And, and it's it's I, I I like online communication and people just need to get used to that's just the way that it is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what tools did you use to manage the communities across so many platforms? <laughs> A lot of monitors, I would say. <laughs> no, I mean. Um... Let's say that we split up the work between. We didn't use any specific tool, like we didn't uh, use anything automated. I would say we just split the work between myself, my business partner, and a little bit of our game designer. So, for example, Discord. Our Discord community is only handled by my business partner. He's the Discord guy. He's the one that talks with mm-hmm. everyone there. He knows everyone there as well. Um, I'm the Twitter person. Like, if you read some tweets on our tweet, uh, our profile, it's always like 99.9% of the time it's me. Um, and like, and the Reddit, for example, like my our game designer did a lot of it just because it was much more familiar and it was already in some of those um, subreddits. So uh, we didn't use any specific tool. I would say just. And we plan it a little bit like every morning or every day, like during lunch break or at coffee break, we were just like, okay, let's browse through Twitter and see if someone tweeted something. So, so you didn't yeah. use like TweetDeck or Hootsuite no, or none of that kind of stuff? Not, no, 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 no. So do you plan out, like, do you plan out the month of your social media posts or do you just kind of organically do it? Like oh today I'm gonna to post this. When we when we had right. events, we were planning stuff. Like if we were attending events, I was planning stuff beforehand. If otherwise, like during the production moments, it was just okay. We are creating something. The devs are like pushing on something interesting into the project. Let's create a GIF of it because it's funny, and we posted. Mm-hmm. Like it was much more. For weeks, we didn't publish anything uh, and we didn't post anything about the game. We were not, we are not definitely not mm, constant and like put, getting out one piece of content every day or week. Absolutely not. We we didn't do that. Uh, and that's a mistake, actually. You have to be like the, the social media platforms in general, like works better if you're consistent and if you keep five tweets a day. That's it. That's the minimum, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, but. We the only thing that we were consistent in was a little bit of um, screenshot Saturday, for example, or the follow Wednesday. I don't remember how it's called. Like we did a, lot, a little bit of that, and uh, that was follow awesome. Friday. Follow Friday, yeah. Follow Friday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did a couple of them, and we were planning only if we knew that there was something coming up in, mm. that was meaningful, actually. 
Follow Fridays, it was like, it was huge years ago, right? And then yeah. it kind of faded out. Absolutely. But now I see people starting to start doing it again. And then that's when you see like responses. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Now do all those people follow all the people in the Follow Friday list? Mm, maybe. Maybe. Or maybe or maybe not. Just, just a couple of them. So, yeah. At least, but there's at least this exposure. It's in your yeah, face. Exactly. It's right there. Exactly, yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm interested in this. Can you be? Can you go into more detail about what the Discord game was and how you created it? Okay, I uh, yeah, I'll try to give you as much detail as I know because I have I didn't do it. So um, we hired a proper dev that does Discord bots. Mm -hmm. So mainly is um is a bot on which you with some text command you can create your own winery it's a sort of a idle game i would say so the more the hour pass by the more wine you are producing actually mm -hmm. and you can check it out while you are um, through some some comments on, on on your discord on discord um i didn't have any idea on the technical side how it's made because i didn't follow that that part so if you want to any any more information, just write us a message on Twitter, and I'll ask my business partner to to give you some feedbacks on that because I have no idea how they made it, and it's running on a server, but I don't remember exactly when. And have you played where. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We while we were testing it a little bit, and um, actually, it was really funny because um, we were delaying the DLC. Uh, and we were like, okay, let's give to the community something so they can entertain themselves and they can stay there. Um, and when we said, listen, there, we have like a, a closed circle of like couple of people that are inside the Discord from the from day one that are our yeah, probably the the admins that the one that actually interact the most on uh, on Discord. Mm -hmm. And we Your were biggest like, fans. Yeah, probably. I mean, they are they are friends. Some of them also came here to visit, so they are mm -hmm. friends now. They are not uh, even our community. They're much more than that. Um, they we pushed the, the the mini game to them, and they were like, "Okay, that's addictive. Uh, once you're gonna push that out, no one will care anymore about the game." And it was super funny because when we released it, everyone was like trying to create more bottle per hour or stuff uh they were so funny and then i would say a little bit racing between the, each other and and joking it was so funny to see yeah absolutely. was there leaderboards yeah there is a leaderboard yeah oh okay yeah. there you go competitive uh mind making simulator right? <laughs> yeah that's awesome all right we unless anybody else has any questions I would love for y'all to drop questions in here. Uh, I've got one more right here. Are you going to self-publish your next game? We don't know. Um, we have one game in production at the moment that we probably end up self-publishing. Mm -hmm. We have another project that we don't know yet what we're going to do. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Like We love self-publishing stuff. We love to be in control and of your numbers or of what we are doing so um but I, we are not against publisher either like it's not that there is something evil on the other side absolutely <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely there are mm -hmm. lovely people on the other side and some project and products need a publisher some other don't mm -hmm. 
Uh, also, 100 Days was a pretty personal game, I would say, because it's related to a lot of family histories of ours, and it's related to a lot of things that are in our culture, in our, in our heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, so self-publishing was the best idea for us. Um, we knew we had a lot of infos into the wine industry. We we have friends and also my business partner used to, to produce wine. So we, we knew what we were doing there. Um, we love to self-publish stuff. We don't know if we will still do it in the future. It depends. It depends on a lot of factor, actually. It's one of the, that's like the biggest answer that we have on indie game businesses. It depends. Depends. Yeah. It depends. Maybe we'll let you know when it happens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Thank you so much. This is awesome. This is a great talk. We really appreciate you coming on here and appreciate your Thank time. You so much, if, if you would like to shout out anything, any self promotion, bro- go to Broken Iron Games, check it out. Any yeah, other absolutely. thing you'd like to? And tomorrow, this time ish, probably a little bit later, we will be on sale on Steam. So if you want to try out the game, it's there. Oh, so it's on sale tomorrow. That's <laughs> yeah, perfect. Perfect. So next up, we have uh, Carla Reyes and Kelly Wallach making sense in a post-pandemic world, navigating fundraising. Oh, that's going to be wow, a good one. Nice. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. looking for a publisher for your game well we have something special just for you it's the most comprehensive listing of pc console and mobile publishers in the industry over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites you can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list and you can get it for free check it out And uh, welcome back. I'm going to do one of the few intros you're going to see me do over the rest of the day before my voice goes completely gone. I'm, I'm in the backstage and Dan's the one being pretty on the front stage. So obviously, uh, Karis had a bit of an audio problem. So we, right now, she's probably figuring out that she's not live anymore. The um, We're going to bring on Aliza to start early, and then we're just going to go on for a little longer to catch everything back up. And so with that, the floor is yours. Thank you so much, Jay. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you for to Jay and Indie Game Businesses for, for having me today. Um, 
my name is Elisa Farinetti. I'm a business developer at Broken Arms Games, a small Italian studio. I'll tell you a little bit about that later. Um, I have a background in computer science and worked some years as smart TV and web developer, slowly transitioning into production and business development when my business partner and I decided to open up a game development company. What I'm going to show you today in this presentation is a teamwork. Um, I would have to thank a lot of people for that, uh, but a special one goes to my business partner and my and also our game designer Francesco, uh, an incredibly talented guy, and that is actually the mastermind behind this presentation and behind all those data. Um, today I'm going to take you on a post-mortem analysis on our last game, uh, 100 Days Wine Making Simulator, released last year. Uh, a little bit of data and a little bit of strategy and decision-making that we did after launch. So we start. Um, a little bit about us. Uh, here you can see a beautiful picture of us. Um, Broken Arms is an indie studio based in Italy, as I was saying before. Uh, the company started unofficially in 2013. Uh, and only in 2017, five years ago, we shaped up as a company. Our background stays mainly in mobile development, uh, and we slowly transitioned to PC and console in the last three years. That's why we have this huge, huge interest in numbers and data, and you will see a little bit of that in this presentation. Uh, we believe that there is a way to make if, to take informative decision in game development in order to minimize your risk and grow a sustainable business, or at least that's what we try to do uh, with our latest game, 100 Days When Making Simulator. Uh, in this presentation and in this post-mortem, um, we will show you what we did for a year and a half post-release. Um, and at the end of the day, we came to the conclusion that developing uh, and self-publishing a game looks much more like a marathon than a sprint. So the game, 100 Days Wine Making Simulator, as the name states, is a game about making wine. It's a strategic sort of sim simulation game. Um, we decided to develop this game for many reasons. One being that our company and our team comes from a winemaking region in, in Italy. In, we, we are based in Piemonte. Um, if you're interested and curious to know more about the cultural heritage that is inside the game, there is a lovely um, talk from our narrative designer, Maddalena Grattarola, from on GDC Vault that you can find there. Um, I will talk more about the business side of it and the genesis of, uh, of the game from a business perspective. We started pitching uh, around this game in 2019 um, at GDC at, uh, in March. We have, generally, every single person in the industry that we talked to was really, really interested inside the game. Uh, still on the fence a little bit, as they didn't understand completely the possible target audience for it. Um, and we started thinking about a way to um, 
move out those those doubts and to to clear uh, to clear our, our position and we started to research some data trying to answer uh, just a simple question really a super simple question is there a market for this game first of all and how big it is here started what we call our marathon uh, we released the Steam page in July 2019 uh, in order to see if we can get any traction there. Um, we started scraping data every single day uh, and tracking them down on a public Excel. If you want to have a look at it, you can go through our Twitter account and find old posts where, you, where we link the, this uh, Excel file is still online. We track down for every single day page visits, unique users, wishlist addition and balance, and the top countries that were visiting our, our game and that we got wishlist from. Um, we started getting some a little bit of traction um, thanks to a couple of, I mean, what we tracked down to be two, two things. First of all, a Reddit post uh, that ended up generating an, arc, an article on Destructoid, um, a journalist from the Destructoid um, website found discovered about us on a, in a subreddit on wine and because he was interested in wine he decided to, to create a to create an article for uh, on the game and some successful tweets and buzz across social media thanks to the game development game developer community um, analyzing those data for the first few weeks uh, we started to understand completely uh, correctly our what ended up being our top sales country. Um, from wishlist to page visit, we understood exactly where our people were coming from. Um, and this helped us a lot while we were planning for localization. Localization of a game page is key, both for the store to, to grow data, of course, uh, but also looking uh, at the game release, it's important for you as a developer to plan for the right languages to be added to to the game and and to make sure that you are covering the the right the right countries and uh, and nations. Um, also, after release, during the sales, um, during to to get possible deals on platforms, if you cover the right countries, there are opportunities there that are there for you. Uh, we did. We constantly updated this, this, this document and we constantly analyzed those data for over a year uh, until release every single day. Uh, it was a manual job, like one of us in the team you did that by hand every single day. Uh, and, and while we were analyzing our data, we were comparing them uh, to other publicly available. Especially, we followed the, the work of Simon Careless, the um, game discoverability substack, uh, and tried to project through his um, prediction method if our numbers and if our metrics were right or wrong. Uh, we started to create some models uh, about possible sales and revenue, and we worked on that model for for a lot of time, trying to figure out um, possible uh, scenario for that. As an incredible lady once told me, the gap between uh, reality and expectation is called sadness. 
even if our number kept growing for almost two years and we were super happy, um, we were always thinking about the worst case scenario. Someone also suggested to me that that's probably the developer mindset as well. Um, we were thinking about the worst case scenario while we were planning for a possible good outcome. Um, based on game discoverability substack and it, its conversion data and uh, numbers, uh, we kept updating our expected scenario, slowly trans transitioning from wishlist growth to follower growth. Um, if you are familiar with the wishlist analytics and numbers, you, you definitely saw the, the shift between those two metrics. Um, we even had plan for surviving mode, as we call it. Um, we took down the company costs and, and estimates how many copies we should have sold to keep the boat floating. Um, that's an important metric because like, uh, even in the months where we were not seeing huge numbers, that having that metric written down on a, on a piece of paper uh, just to reassure us that we were safe and that we were still in a, in a positive scenario when things were not going per perfectly well. So here is the moment of truth, it's release day. Uh, those are the numbers of the first few months. As you may see, numbers drop down pretty quickly. But one thing that I want to mention is that over the first three months after release, uh, we updated the game almost weekly. Uh, and we kept communicating with our Discord community to get feedbacks and to iterate on stuff that weren't working as players wanted them to, to be work. Um, we were able to afford major development uh, post-launch due to the first month sales. Uh, here you can see what the first month sales count is actually a little bit over the, fir the first week. Um, deals in place we had at day one uh, also supported us a little bit uh, and made us able to take the game onto other platforms. Uh, and mainly we were able to support and to keep working on the game uh, to treat it as a live up um, product because of the community and the support that they gave us communicating and promoting every single day the game on our behalf. Um, one reality check that I want to point out. Uh, immediately after launch, we realized something that we didn't expect. Um, for one hour, we were in the... Oh, sorry. Yeah. For one hour, we were in, in the top uh, seller charts of Steam uh, in the front page, and we were close to Biomutant. You can see it there. Um, an incredible game, way bigger production than us. Uh, so nothing to be to actually compare ourselves to, to be completely honest. Um, in that same hour, we sold around 300 copies. That means that Biomutant probably sold a little less than us, 299 or something like that. As a developers and players, we are always used to see the huge, incredible numbers by big AAA titles. And we always imagine that the game in the top seller charts were in order of hundred thousands and reality. And the reality check that we had at the time was that in order to get to those thousand, 10,000, hundred thousand copies, you need to go through these hours in which you sell 300 copies. Per hour 
And selling 300 copies in one hour for a team like us is already a, a success. And I think that as a developer, we need to celebrate that a little bit more. We usually don't celebrate that too much. And it's a mistake, definitely. Um, then what happens? Uh, as I said before, the gap between expectation and reality is called sadness. But still, we were super happy with those results. Even if lower than our expectation, we were still in the positive side of, of the scenario. Um, one thing that I want to point out is that this has been our process and our success and successful for us as a company in that specific moment in time. Um, once everyone starts look for a specific metric, for example, wish list, that metric stops to be meaningful, stops to have that that same weight on your success. My personal opinion is that a successful game is a combination of a lot of factors. And as a developer, you can control only some of them, not all of them. So be prepared to, to that. Um, immediately after launch, we started planning uh, for, for sales. Um, on our previous game, Atomine, uh, that didn't sell that well at launch, we worked a lot on discount and planning uh, sales as the game didn't sell that well uh, in the first few few months. Um, and But we ended up, because we have this plan on, on the table, we ended up selling decent copies at the end of the day after five years from launch. So immediately after releasing 100 days, we were like, okay, let's fix the major bugs and the major things we have. And then we start working immediately on our sales strategy. Um, even if Android Days is a premium game, we treated it from day one as a game as a service. And that's what's coming probably from our um, background in mobile development. Uh, we knew that there was a, a chance to capitalize more on our user base and grow it a little, grow it, this user base during the lifetime of the game. Um, I want to point out one thing. Game is a service for a small team uh, like us. Uh, when we released the game, we were in six. Um, it's an incredible effort. Like, it's not a, an easy job. A team like us usually should have his next game signed or secured in, in terms of funding before releasing uh, the current one. Uh, we we took a big risk because we invested everything that the company had in terms of resources, everything, every single... Um, Penny from day one into developing further under days, uh, but the road was and the road was immediately clear for us. Under days will never be an EP; doesn't have the characteristics to be one. Um, but we can grow a community there. We can create a a group of people that will love what we are doing, and then these people we can cultivate them as fans and making work them for the next few few projects that will come after under days so um, here you can see a post release timeline of what what we were planning actually uh, and what we achieved um, after release some of them were planned correctly some others were postponed or anticipated things happen, so don't beat yourself up too much, I would say. Um, I will share some data on why some stuff were delayed and what's the strategy around that. So 
here you can see a little bit of a sales schedule for the first few months after release. And we, I want to point out like a, a couple of things. Um, we all know that players, especially on Steam, love sales. But as a developer, we know how much from Steam takes from every single copy um, we sell. And we wanted from the beginning to maximize our income. Our philosophy is pretty simple. Uh, don't discount so quickly with a high percentage. Even if your game has sold a few copies at launch, don't be tempted to discount heavily to boost sales. It doesn't work like that. Instead of that, try to follow your user base and do little updates um, and chase every single discount opportunity. Go down a little by little and earn the most from every single copy. And especially if you can afford to keep developing the game and keep optimizing it, um, what, you, what will happen or what you will see is that the, the perceived value of your project um, from the players is increasing. And even if you're discounting, you will get bigger volumes because it gets perceived as a better game, uh, maybe after months. This has been our sales schedule for over the first 10 months. Um, we applied to every single possible sale and um, yeah, with a reasonable depreciation queue, I would say nothing extraordinary, not too aggressive, just a little by little, but constant. Um, one thing that we understood um, after, I would say, six months from launch and that, uh, that we did comparing data, um, it's the difference between bigger sales like the seasonal one compared to shorter, more, shorter, more uh, focused sales um, deals and times. Uh, I want to point out a couple of things here. So conver conversion from happens in the first 24 to 48 hours. Almost 40% of your sales happens in those in this um, time span. So in the first day or two day. Uh, between all the different sales that we did, the one that were um, most successful uh, and the one that also attracted new people. So we saw an, in, uh, an increase in wishlist balance was a, a team one, the tabletop fest, um, probably because in that specific event, we, we, were, we showcased the game to a different audience. Steam is huge, it's an incredible huge black box and it's, and there are pockets of players that see only what the algorithm suggests to them. Uh, if you get the chance to get your game in front of new audience, new niches, new pockets, do it. Um, the sale went really well in terms of money and revenues, of course. But what happened is that we also increased the wish list. So there was there was new people getting into a game page. There was new people that could have been interested in the future to buy the game at a probably higher discount sale. So that was really, really, really interesting for us. Uh, we treat those uh, team-related uh, sales also as a marketing effort, not just a, a, as a pure sale and discount. 
another thing that we saw is that during the seasonal sales, the big one like Halloween or the autumn sales, you are selling to your own audience. Uh, what's happened is that you're selling to the people that already have the game in, in their wish list, but you also have a lot of people that because they received so many emails with all the discount of the in the, in the time, uh, delete your game from their wish list because they are just overwhelmed and they clean up their wish list queue. So even if huge big sales and the, the major sales moments are, are good, think about the fact that you are just selling to the same people that already knew the game compared to smaller sales in which you are attracting new audience to to your to your game a personal outcome that we understood uh, after analyzing those uh, those data is that we must keep attracting new people to the game and to wishlist it because those people will convert one day or another during the next occasion um, and that's so important because like that will keep your sales queue and your revenue queue stable and not going dropping down completely. As you can see from our data, um, Steam makes a lot of our sales uh, for the, the PC platform, definitely. Uh, and we knew that from day one, but we still decided to take the game on other stores, such as Happy Game Store and Google Stadia ripped them um that was a specific commitment we did looking at the future um, both platforms um we launched on both platforms uh at the launch at the same time with steam and both stores are always looking for extra content for their services and being there at launch enabled us to make some extra money on top on top of the sales um through direct deals that we did with the platform, um, Stadia Pro and, and the Epic free, free week and free deals. Another thing that we used and let's say we tried out during our first year after release was the cross-publisher bundle. In July 2021, Steam released a, a new feature uh, the cross-publisher bundle that allowed developer to uh, get together with other devs and create this uh, bundle cross-publisher or cross-devs. Since we started uh, working on under days and communicating under days, we saw some titles that were in production at the same time as us, and we admire them for many reasons. Uh, it's good companies, Notopia, have been all on our Twitter feeds and stuff while we were developing under days. So we were in connection with the, those devs. We, we met them at events. We were part of their Discord. They were part of our Discord server. So we, we knew each other. Um, being the only game in self-publish, because both of them have publishers, um, as soon as we saw this new feature coming up, we decided to connect with, with the other devs and say, and propose a wholesome management bundle, as we call it. Uh, we knew it was a long shot, uh, especially because both of them have two entities involved, the developer and the publisher, but we tried to do it anyway. Uh, they accepted our offer uh, and we created the bundle. Um, this metric is a little bit old, I would say. I think we are way over, the, I mean, this. I think it's 
still in September, August this year, we are way over those numbers, but still like in the first few months, in the first year almost, uh, the game, the bundle increased our sale uh, of 560 units. It's not a lot, being completely honest. We expected to do, to do a little bit more, but still look at the revenue on the other side. It's almost $8,000 that we couldn't have made if there wasn't for the, for the bundle. And especially because we participate to similar sale, um, because we are in the same genre, I would say, um, we saw increased sell, sold copies of the bundle while we were in sale together. So it's always good to use those tools that the platform gave give to, to us as a developer to experiment new marketing and new new stuff. Um, we planned to port the game to console from day one, and we plan to have DLCs from day one. Um, we just didn't know exactly how and when this, this could have happened. Um, DLCs especially cost us a lot to develop, more than what we plan in advance, and conversion from still say um, was not enough for us to afford the development, but because we promised a couple of them to our community and we want them and we wanted to be loyal to them uh, as much as they have been to us, we started thinking about extra way to, uh, way to get extra money and cover better those dev costs. Um, one idea that came up um, because we were close to the end of last year, and we were working on the Napa Valley uh, DLC. Um, one idea was like, okay, let's postpone a little bit the, the DLC. Uh, let's publish it in December. First of all, we will take advantage of the winter sales. And it was the first time in which the game was 30% off. So if we release a new content, uh, with 10% discount because it's at release. And then there is also the 30% discount on the game. Uh, we will have people buying the bundle, uh, the game together with, uh, with the first DLC. And we can incentivize those users to actually give us a, a little bit of extra money. And also, second of all, we were planning to have the console porting at the, end of, uh, at the beginning of 2022. Why not creating an extended edition on console so that we can price it a little bit higher? And that's what we did. The game retails at $24.99 on PC and on console it's $29.99 because it's bundled up together with the, the first DLC. And actually, being completely honest, after almost a year now, we are we definitely took the, the right decision there because the, the console edition uh, is selling really really well, especially on on, uh, on Switch, and definitely covered all the extra costs that we didn't expect. Another thing that mm, I want to point out is that while we released the, the, the DLC on Google Stadia, and we were already part of the Stadia Pro, we had a lot of players actually buying the DLC because they were playing the game for free or inside their subscription plan. And they, they bought the game, the DLC, just to support us. And that happened as well uh, two months ago when we were part of the uh, Epic free free deal of the week. Uh, 
we saw a huge increase in DLC sales. So that, that is good because it's still extra money that we get on top of it. Another thing that happened that we didn't expect is that because the game is based in our region, in Piemonte, in Italy, um, and it has our grape varieties and wine varieties uh, from our region, Releasing something that has a more international taste, such as Napa, activated a new region that we didn't expect that was Australia, that immediately jumped up in the in our top top ten selling countries. A little bit on our console launch. Uh, Nintendo launch has been difficult due to technical reason mainly. Um, and but we definitely learned something there as well. Uh, Small numbers of copies sold at $30 almost uh, makes a lot of margin, much more than what we expected. Uh, and we have been able to do that because we and to, to price the game higher because of the DLC. So getting that extra content on Nintendo was uh, the right choice. Um, there is this myth, I would say, that uh, Switch players are used to pay everything higher. Um, it has been a difficult conversation for us because the game was already on um, on mobile, retailing at $5.99, and a lot of Switch players and the Nintendo communities uh, were concerned, let's say politely, about the fact that they were buying a mobile game for $29.99 on Switch. It was hard to present to them the differences between the two platforms. Japan and US are the countries that drove most sales on um, on Nintendo, but also a lot of visibility. Uh, we have to thank also Nintendo Japan for it because they they were in love with the game, and I think that they pushed the game to a lot of um, their player. Uh, in different channels that we probably had didn't have even the visibility to to see that, but like the traffic from Japan was really high. Um, as a PC focused developer coming from mobile as well, uh, working on console where there is little to no data is pretty stressful. Uh, region locked stores make it more difficult also to understand what's actually happening in other regions and if you have any sort of visibility. Um, I mean, can can be tricky. For for that reason, I'm saying that we think that they push the game to some other channels because we have no idea, actually. One thing that I want to advise all the devs that are on the other side is that maybe it's a personal opinion, I don't know, but Nintendo Press took a little bit more time than generic press to review the game. Uh, if a PC copy got a review in average into three to four days mainly. Nintendo Press took on average eight to 10 days. So I recommend you to plan accordingly and give your yourself and to the Nintendo Press a little bit extra time to come out with, uh, with the press release and with the reviews. Oops. Yeah, okay. Um, Another thing that we found was really important for us was keep communicating the game. Um, even though it's not simple to track down the impact on sales, we kept talking about the game on different social media channels, um, 
I definitely suggest all of you to look into Reddit. Reddit is a great way to promote your game directly to, to play to players, especially when you are in sales or on discount or you have like you release a DLC or something. There is a bunch of uh, channels and they are really active. Um, we know that we have a niche audience uh, and our focus was mainly to keep searching for this niche audience, for these pockets of players, um, in order for, for us to have sales on the, on the long run, mainly. One event that I want to point out is what we call the Stadia Input Touch Affair. Um, we released the mobile version in 2021 and promoted to on Twitter, on Reddit, social media in general. As soon as we, as the Stadia community saw that we were releasing uh, on a platform that had the input touch system, um, they were so kind and nice, raising their voices and asking if we can uh, support the direct input touch feature on um, on Stadia platform. Uh, at the time, we didn't do it. We didn't do it a lot at launch. We had some issues. I don't remember exactly what, but like something was failing during certification. So we were like, okay, it's not mandatory to have it. Let's cut it out. Um, mobile and Stadia platform were not related. We're not the same kind of users, totally different people. Um, Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.